Three, Pilot. two, one, go. <laughs> All right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Loaded Dice Podcast. We have a special edition today. One, getting a new region in Bandle City. And we also have a special guest with us today. I don't know if you want to do the honors of introducing him. Yeah, let's go. Uh, yeah, we just had the seasonals tournament. And uh, this one uh, is going down in the history books. Uh, Mr. Emotional Made History being the, I believe, the first... Uh, player to win with triple aggro across any of the shards um so mo thank you so much for joining us man we're really excited to to pick your brain a little bit yeah i mean thanks for having me i love doing uh stuff like this i love doing podcasts interviews all that and i love the boys squeevy and faint so they asked of course i'm gonna be on a podcast with y'all the loaded dice exclusive i think we're getting mo hot off the press he's hot off the win and uh this is his first podcast interview so we're gonna get to go a little more in depth um where you you want to start it off i got some things teed up but so starting off first of all you know huge congrats man i did not think that would be possible i'm gonna be real as soon as i saw you cue into oneric or whatever and i saw that lineup i was like Oh no, dude, what is the chances of this? Like, you know what I mean? Like the Karina control yeah. type deck and all that. I was like, come on, dude, give this guy a break. And you like made that look easy. Like it seemed like one of the least competitive sets you played. But um, <laughs> yeah, man, how are you feeling after the tournament? Like just kind of summarize it a little bit and we'll go more in depth, you know, between the sets and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Um it's just crazy. It's kind of not expected. Um, I always figured I had the skill to maybe win a major, but actually winning a major and telling yourself you think you could win a major are two completely different things. So actually winning a major is really crazy. I haven't streamed yet. I haven't put out a YouTube video yet or anything. So I don't know how much it's affecting or going to affect my content creation, but I'm going to stream tonight and... I'm going to be kind of nervous because I don't know. I know like I, I did a little mini stream right after seasonals and that was pretty big. I had a bunch of people in there. So I don't know if that was just like because that was all the hype and seasonals was just ending and all that type of stuff. But it'll be exciting for sure. It's kind of I love I'm happiest that I got to do it with aggro. Aggro is like ride or Absolutely. die. So uh, the, I feel like if I would have won with something not triple aggro, it would have felt a little bit less maybe. But the fact that I got to do it with the decks I love in a format that doesn't really favor aggro, uh, it, it felt it feels really good. Yeah, that's like the craziest part to me is like, it's not just you won with triple aggro and like you just dodged the problem matchups and stuff like that. It's like you got those bad matchups and you're just like, no, 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 no. I'm the better player, though. That's the thing right here. <laughs> like, oof. Like when we go through the set specifically, man, but. Mm-hmm. It was it was a treat to watch for sure, especially you know I'm an aggro connoisseur myself. I was yeah, I was about that man. Yeah, I mean yeah. like you you market yourself. I think your Twitter bio is what the best aggro player in the world, uh, and you're kind of living yes. up to that now. Like so, but top players I think always say that triple aggro is not good in a tournament setting, and there's a lot of ways to interact and stop sort of like the straightforward aggro game plan were there any points in your prep and stuff that you doubted it you thought you might switch off of it i know that even last seasonal i mean you had an incredible 9-0 run with aggro Mm -hmm. but then you lost right in the first round so did that how did that kind of factor into your you know thought process going into top 32 this time around 
Yeah, so with aggro, there's a big misconception with aggro that players feel like, oh, if I have mostly a good anti-aggro lineup or in each of my decks I have one good anti-aggro card that they win um, or that they, they will beat aggro with their lineup. So that's why a lot of good players and top players in articles say aggro is just worse or aggro is really bad. Every deck beats aggro. The good decks beat aggro and this and that when that's not true like at all um, as long as you have one deck that's not good into aggro if you're against a really good aggro player that knows how to punish that deck and knows how to play to its advantage then you should never win unless you know it's a card game so crazy stuff happens all the time but you should not be winning that most of the time and that's kind of what happened with my games um and that's what happened all last season too the only games that i felt really bad and the only games I actually lost were the games against hard anti-aggro lineups and of course if you play like a really hard anti-aggro lineup with triple decks that are super favored then you're going to beat aggro and you shouldn't worry about it but if you just have like two of the three of those like only two out of your three decks are hard anti-aggro and your third one's just medium or bad into aggro you're not going to have a good time so I figured triple anti-aggro wasn't going to be popular like the hard anti-aggro um, two-thirds was going to be really popular, and I actually ran into a lot of lineups that had two-thirds good into aggro, but because their third deck, I caught them slipping. It was, I most of the time just two-owed them. I did it to Hennessy in top four. I did it to his friend Zingus Dungus in Swiss. I did it to my teammate 4LW in Swiss. All of those players had two-thirds really good anti-aggro decks, and then their third was just caught slipping, so... Yeah, man, absolutely. And like to kind of illustrate for some of the viewers, one of the decks I know he's talking about is a zero Relia. He's mm -hmm. like, you bring that deck, it's really strong into like a lot of the control stuff or whatever. But against Mo, you know, it had to show up into a tough, tough matchup. So it was like, like you said, you know what I mean? Like they're going to have to pull those, those nutty combos. And if they don't, you're, you're feasting. What yeah, I if they don't draw super well in those matchups, they're just gone. They don't really have a chance. And th him and uh, his teammate, Zorik, I don't know if they're teammates, but their friends had the same lineup, had the exact same problem where they won game one fairly easily because I banned out one of the bad ma aggro matchups, uh, lost to the second bad aggro matchup, but because their third deck was a zero Relia, it just went to town, 2-0'd them, I think, in under eight minutes total in the entire match. Yeah, man, that was that was one other crazy thing is like, I was eating some food. I'd blink. I'd go to the bathroom. Your set's already over. I was like, dude, what, what happened? Where, where did they go? Yeah, they said I actually averaged 12-minute match times, which my delay for my stream was 15 minutes. So it was really funny because I'd finish my match and I would go to see where my stream was and like see how they were reacting to my plays and my wins and all of that. And I'd still be in the band phase. Yeah, hadn't even started. Like, oh. Yeah, my match wouldn't have even started yet. There was actually, my internet went down, and I think it was my top 16 match against Alan Wu. Uh, my internet went down, so my spectrum ended. Um, it came up almost immediately, so I was able to finish my game on my computer. But because the internet went down and there was a 15-minute delay, I actually finished my match before the and any of the game got to be shown. So it skipped an entire match because I finished it within that 15-minute period. Yeah, man. That's actually nutty. Yeah, I was going to commend you on, like, the aggro having such a straightforward game plan. Like, a lot of players elect to go for, you know, a mid-range or control deck where it feels like you can always sort of have outs or, you know, there's flexible ways in which you can control the game. But if you are accepting with a triple aggro lineup of, like, I know I'm going to be bad into triple control, but 
mm-hmm. you know, how many people are going to be doing that? And so you're you're kind of accepting that going in. Like you're saying, you're able to capitalize on these gaps in the lineup. Um, do you feel like that was, you know, is that a meta read for this season in particular? Or do you feel like this is a consistent weakness that players, other top players are going to have is that they prefer these sort of more mid-range to, you know, later game style decks that, uh, you know, there there's a gap in the lineup that may consistently be there. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it is meta-dependent. For instance, if Go Hard and Shadow Isle Freyord control and then another full Targon Shadow Isle control decks are just the three best decks and that's what everyone is playing, then it's going to be really hard to bring aggro in like that type of meta. But every meta we've had so far... It's really interesting because a lot of the players do go for that mid-range style and control style build. Um, but the way you win the mid-range matchups and the way you win the control matchups are just by being more greedy. So going more into the late game. So for instance, if you want to beat Zoe um, Lee Sin in the mirror match, one of the best ways to do that is to turn yourself into Lee Sin Karma. Because if you don't draw your Lee Sin or if nobody is killing each other before turn 10, and the game goes long enough because you greeted out and played the karma, you're going to win by default because you just have significantly more value than a Zoe ever could past those turns. And that's where aggro is really, really good is I was able to punish all of the mid-range greedy players. And I got a bunch of DMs saying like, congrats on beating these guys. And that's basically exactly what happened in the finals. My opponent's lineup wasn't necessarily good decks. It was, he had a really good meta read and his lineup was just extremely greedy and targeted the control decks and the mid-range decks but because he went super greedy and targeting these two specific archetypes that weren't aggro and and just said like oh no one's gonna bring aggro or i don't have to worry about it he hit aggro and i had a really quick 2-0 yeah for that for that reason i kind of feel like triple aggro like even though they're all decks that we know it's like an off it's an off meta call it's an off meta pick to bring triple aggro so few players in the top 32 ever do it and so between you winning this seasonals Ikado getting second place with Teemo Foundry and Starspring and Duckling winning the last one with Matron Sith and Teemo I feel like uh, the past NA seasonals like they've just been dominated with these off meta lineups whereas like they're not decks that are present in the regular meta the latter meta you know things that we expect to see do well what what recommendation would you have to players going forward in tournaments who you know, they maybe want to branch out or stick, you know, not just stick to the top meta decks. Yeah, I always recommend my first recommendation to people wanting to play in seasonals in any tournament is always just play decks you're super comfortable on. Um, That's number one. Outside of that, for strategies wise, you can easily play one of these non-meta or non-conventional or non-tier one lineups as long as you just have a good game plan. Um, In every single region other than North America, Tomkin, Soraka, and Azir Aurelia won seasonals. And that's because those lineups aren't good, but because they had a really good game plan in beating all of the greedy control decks and greedy mid-range decks, it worked off really well because that's what a lot of people were bringing. So they kind of had, it's like a triangle where you have the bet what's like the best deck lineup. So you play the best cards, the best lineup, the best um, decks. And then you usually have option B, which is the counter, the best deck lineup, which is, um, you know, that that's your TK Rock and Azir Aurelia. That lineup's not necessarily good when you look at it on its own, but because it beats the best lineup, it can only be so bad. And then your option C in the triangle of rock, paper, scissors is to beat the counter to the best lineup. And that's essentially what aggro is, is it, it loses to what's considered the best lineup, but then beats the counter to the best lineup. So yeah. you always just have to try and play this rock, paper, scissors game of, are you wanting to be the best, beat the best, or beat the people beating the best? Yeah, man. 
And then, you know, you talking about comfort, man, like that was one thing that I almost saw. I don't know if it was like deliberate or whatever, but I know you've played those decks, played those matchups like so many times that you're like snap on your decisions. Right. And it's crazy. These control players and everything else, like, I don't know if it's also the pressure of the situation too. It's like the combination of the pressure of the situation and how fast you're just like making your plays and the pressure that aggro puts on, like you had them kind of almost playing at your pace, which is like, it's crazy to do that in a game when, you know what I mean? They have a timer. They could, but it's like, mm-hmm. you're almost like in their head. It was, it was uh crazy. I, there's like a couple matchups where I saw that starting to happen. I was like, dude, he's, he's got them like tilted. Obviously I think the clearest example of that was that one Lee Sin game where you'd yeah. snap pass and homie, I knew he was just like, you almost tilted him, bro. I swear you tilted him. He'd like snap past just out of like spite. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I snapped past to him. And I, I've i said this in the, the only interview I've done before this was, of course, like the postseasonal interview right after I won on the broadcast. Yeah. And I said it there. But the uh, as soon as he snapped past to his turn, and then I don't know if he opened past me, but he like offered a pass to in turn. I knew the game was just over because I knew I was like, oh, he's upset or he's playing at my level. He thinks he wins this when he doesn't. He either, uh, there's something going on here that he doesn't understand. He either doesn't know he's yeah. losing, doesn't know he's behind in pressure or doesn't know he needs to be proactive with this eye of the dragon. And either way, because I have him passing at the pace I want him to pass in, uh, I knew the game was pretty over from that point. Yeah, that, that was like a really cool to th- uh, thing to see because I felt like it's kind of rare where you can like see the psychology almost happening. You know what I mean? It's like normally analyzing mm-hmm. the plays or whatever. I'm like, Oh, you got this dude upset. That was that was a that was a sick one for sure. There were mm-hmm. there's a lot of players who love triple aggro. There's a lot of streamers who you know kind of go by the aggro side. Faint. We've got uh, <laughs> Nick. We've got you. We've got a bunch of people who just like love aggro, and it hasn't really gotten before this really like the tournament results that they might have wanted to see. You said you were going back and looking at your chat during the games. Were you feeling? The love, were you feeling the support? Was it motivating you during your games? It's kind of cool that you're able to get like that real time feedback since you were ending your sets so quickly. Yeah, I, um, it's weird. Of course, in my chat, I was getting a bunch of feedback and love because I wasn't actually qualified for Worlds. So I needed to top four this seasonal to get to Worlds, which is something really weird because a lot of people look at me, uh, for some reason, they look at me and they think I'm like, oh, like this amazing player like outstanding above a lot of other people. And I don't really see myself like that. I just see myself as a good player, I guess. So they all expected me to be at Worlds. When I told them I wasn't like um, qualified, everyone was like, oh, well, you have to. You're going to qualify. So everyone was super cheering for me, especially in that Lee Sin matchup, because they knew that, one, that was the hardest match I played during the entire seasonals run. And then two, if I win, I go to Worlds. If I lose, I don't go to Worlds. And it's my last chance to qualify so there's a lot of feedback there and it felt really good to see that and see people cheering me on reddit hates me um (laughs) yeah dude reddit i went to reddit and i knew they were gonna hate me or i had a suspicion but i went to reddit just to see and the very first post i saw about seasonals was gg trash meta won by an aggro player and it's like me go face me win seasonals me win 10k easy as that and i just died laughing i thought it was so funny no that's so crazy to me like what like one how does it feel because for whatever reason i know you've gotten singled out as like somebody is like oh he's not good aggro whatever blah 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 Mm -hmm. and like 
you just get to you know what i mean you got the belt you just get to be like hey man well then what's this you know like how how, yeah. how did that feel to kind of uh have that um, over anybody like that yeah i mean it feels nice to have something to show people at the same time i don't really let people like that bother me i feel like and this might be ego, but I feel like the reason so many people target me specifically is because I'm probably just one of the better known aggro players that play in tournaments. I think Nick is probably more, or not probably, Nick is more known than I am as a person, but because he doesn't compete in tournaments, I'm probably the most known or recognized aggro player. Yeah. So whenever anything is said about aggro or there's an aggro deck that does well, it's typically been me at these major tournaments. Like, you know, last season, I went 9-0 with triple aggro, so people know me from that. This season, I went eight and one with triple aggro and the casters talk about me because I'm friends with, you know, the casters and I was on list and stuff like that. Um, it doesn't bother me. I always just respond to those comments trolly. Like when people say, Oh, the wind doesn't count because you're on aggro. Yeah. Um, my most go-to response is, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know how to explain to my bank account after return all this money because it's, they, the winds didn't count. Yeah. Exactly. Usually people don't respond. <laughs> and that's like, so I, yeah. I was gonna say that's like another thing about it too is like it's not even like you're known as the aggro player right but i feel like a lot of people don't know it's like you got game on the other decks and archetypes too like i know for a mm -hmm. fact you've gotten to masters multiple times with like si freljord and like different control and you know what i mean like yeah they make it sound like you're yeah. a one trick and i know <laughs> for a fact you've you know what i mean yeah it's just i think it's just because these last two seasonals were my best um major performances and it just so happened they were on triple aggro and i brand myself as an aggro player because i legitimately enjoy aggro so if it's something i'm either not giga try harding i'll just audible to aggro because it's comfortable and it's fun and it's like even if i go o2 at least i'll enjoy it because i'm playing aggro um but this was actually these were the only two seasonals where i brought triple aggro and sweated the all the other seasonals i brought like um mid-range or control i've hit masters the very first time i hit masters was with Ezreal freljord combo the second time i hit yeah. masters was with um it wasn't it was when it was still war mothers before field the rush was even the deck so like i hit yeah, that with war mothers sure. so i've hit masters i think like half the times i've hit masters i uh, hit rank one with tk raka right and that's like the most opposite from an aggro deck that you could possibly get Literally. <laughs> and yeah it's really funny that people say stuff like that and i i if it's someone I don't know or someone that's just trying to be a troll or have their two cents on the internet or my comment section, I kind of just let them have it or troll with them a little bit back and forth. But a lot of people do know that I play more aggro. It's just funny that the two times I've been spotlighted and the two times I've been interviewed just so happened to be times that I was on this just degenerate Uga Booga triple aggro. Yeah. I, I don't know. We've talked about it on the podcast before, and it's like it's really unfair and it's a bit of a shame that aggro players get looked down on as like lesser players or, you know, not as smart in lore because like nobody has the guts to bring triple aggro. Like it's a scary <laughs> thing to do. I've been scared off of it in Top Cut multiple times. And uh, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, this should this should just go to prove that you beat all these other players on a like a variety of decks mid range, you know, like even some early game stuff and this result, like it, there were so many smart decisions that had to be made along the way. I would challenge anyone who is making fun of Uga Booga players to bring it to seasonal and see if you can nine Oh, you know, go, what was it? 17 and two across the open yeah. rounds. Like I have a 22 and two record in the last two seasonals. Do That's, that. Yeah. And then, and then you can make fun of Mo do that or better. And then you can make fun of Mo come back. Uh, I wanted to, uh, 
you know, on the other side of that, though, I wanted to poke fun at you a little bit because I, I noticed one play in game two of round one uh, where you just snapped that accept button on the mulligan. You know, didn't even didn't even give it a second thought. Is that just uh, was that just you flexing on the crowd? And was that a built a mode built different moment? Keeping augmented in the opening. So, yeah. So I was nervous going to this top 32 because the um, the system that I'm not a favor of that they run their top 32, their formatting is it's open seating. So you know exactly who you're playing against and you get to switch your lineup. I was very afraid that my opponent was just going to bring triple anti-aggro. Um, and just like hard stuff me round one and I'm just not going to have a chance to even play in the tournament. And I didn't help that I checked his uh, like match history and it was showing him spamming like Shadow Isles and TF Swain and Ezreal Draven. So all these hard anti-aggro decks on ladder. So it just made me feel even more uneasy. And I was doing a lot of worrying. So I actually drank before this seasonal. I drink before a lot of tournaments, but I drink a little bit more than usual. To try and calm the nerves. And I was... I beat his Viego deck game one. And I think that deck is awful. So he queued it up again game two. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to 2-0, hopefully. Um, this hand's okay. I just need to get the Experimenter out of this hand. And so the way the cards were set up was the Experimenter was the far right uh, card. And my mulligan. <laughs> I got you there. <laughs> and I went to go click on the Experimenter. So I dragged my mouse over there. And yeah, honestly, there's probably something wrong with the DPI on my mouse, or there's like a dust on it, or something like that. For sure, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah it's you a know, lag and, yeah, yeah, internet yeah, connection. Uh, kind of dirty. I think I mean, I need to clean it <laughs> off, and I kind of overshot the experimenter a little bit and clicked the accept <laughs> button. Yeah. And funny enough, it actually almost worked out perfectly, except for I drew a second experimenter on turn six. So if I wouldn't have drawn that experimenter, people in my chat were actually asking me if I was gigabrain. And in my Discord, because they're like, oh, you almost had this perfect setup where you played all your cards and then you had Experimenter on six. And it's like, do you just really need to refill your hand that bad? And this, that, the other. And I was like, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm yeah. Just, you just I, run with I, it. I'm just smart. Yeah. I got you. I feel that. Yeah, you drew and into I, Draven I, on three and then naturally yeah. drew into, uh, what was it? Uh, Vision for the swing. Oh, my God. That was sick. Yeah, I... I I don't, yeah, I had a one drop, but nothing to discard. And then I just naturally had House Fighter, Top Deck Draven, Top Deck Vision. And I was like, huh, no, I really no. am crazy. That's crazy. Meant yeah. to play, dis born to play discard <laughs> aggro, dude. That's when they throw yeah. in plot armor, bro. That's, that's a plot yeah, that's armor true. moment. I know that you work also outside of streaming, but you put like a ton of time into your, into your YouTube and, and Twitch and all of that. Does, how does this seasonals like change things for you moving forward now as a content creator um what do you you know in terms of like are you able to spend more time on it has it motivated you more what what do you feel like has changed since since winning seasonals um i haven't actually done anything so i don't know how it changed as far as like my drive hasn't really changed anything about that i've always been um at least more recently the last six months or so i've been really passionate about it so i've tried hard the last i think two or three weeks i started putting out videos monday through friday so really consistent five videos a week so it doesn't really motivate me any more than i already was because i was super motivated and i have been putting in a lot of work and being really consistent with youtube uploads um and consistent with my streams and stream times and all that i think all it really does is just give me more of an opportunity like it invites more people into my stream it gives me this big kind of 
um, solar boost of um, popularity, I guess, at the moment. So it's really just going to be, if anything, I look at it as like an actual test to me to see if I am a good content creator, am a good streamer to where I could take this little bump and little um, like social boost and hold on to it or take it further is the ideal. So like um, if I right now, I average about 98 to 100 viewers a month for the last couple of months. So it'd be nice to see if if I do just get this boost in viewership that I've seen happen to other previous winners, I'd like to see if I can either make that 98 to 100 number go up and then either keep it up in the long term or make it grow to where I could eventually just do this full time because that, that would be the idea is to be able to go content creation slash competitive player full time. So, yeah, absolutely. And that's where I'm like, you know, if someone's going to win, I like to see it go to somebody that's going to take advantage of that situation, that opportunity. And it's mm -hmm. like, there's like a classic saying of like when opportunity meets preparation and to show like, you know, you're saying how like you've been doing the, not the daily uploads, but the Monday to Friday and you're like mm -hmm. set up, you have the groundwork set up to like capitalize off of this. Like, I think that's fire. And I, you know, I definitely think like what you're aspiring for off of this, like it's going to happen. For it's sure. achievable. hundred percent. Sure. You've got the drive and like, it's not, it's not a given also like we've seen other people mm -hmm. win seasonals and like, I mean, they're amazing players and they got the cash, but you know, maybe that's not what they were going for. Uh, and then, you know, like Majin was able to turn it into this whole com awesome community about learning Runeterra. So it's really awesome to see you who's been putting in the time so long before this um, and just have it pay off in this way and know you're going to like carry it forward. It's uh, it's awesome to see, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I hope I can do well. I always heard people say that um, in order to do well in this content creation, there's a small bit of luck involved, but a lot of people get lucky opportunities. It's just being able to prepare for the luck and then be able to do something when that happens is really what separates the people that actually go and make it from the people that got lucky or had their chance and then didn't really do much with it. So I feel prepared. I just, it's just, it'll be interesting. It'll just be a nice test. Yeah, you know? absolutely. If, if stuff happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I'm happy streaming for my hundred viewers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're our first guest on Loaded Dice, so I feel like the Hollywood calls oh, are just going to be rolling in after yeah, this man. for you, dude. <laughs> Let's go. You're going to have a busy year ahead. Uh, I'm ready. What else you got? Yeah. So kind of on the note of, you know, how I'm saying, like, I think you're super marketable and stuff like that. You're a, a fiend on Twitter. Um, a menace. Is, yeah, a, a menace, menace for to sure. society. Literally. Like, how much of that is, like, you know... Well, just like in general, but like the thoughts of uh, how like your uh, sorry, I completely drew a blank. But um, just the the way like how much of that is like you know you intentionally trying to like push your brand and stuff like that, and like how much of that is just like, yo, I'm I'm just out here. I'm that like having fun. Yeah, yeah for sure. Wild. I feel like almost like you'd be yeah, shit posting for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> if you weren't a content creator or anything, I could see you on on Reddit like being one of those guys for sure, if you know what I mean. Mhm. Mm yeah, um I think a lot of it is playing with my brand and my viewers and the LOR community. I think if I didn't have the spot I had now where a lot of people knew me, I would just look like a, a 
Redditor, I guess. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. But I do a lot of my stuff because I think it's funny. So most of the time it's just for me or for the one or two people I'm tagging. Like um, for every once in a while, I'll make fun of Nick or something. So I'll say something about Nick or about aggro. And I know it's a joke and I know it's funny. And Nick knows it's a joke and he, you know, thinks it's funny or most of the time thinks it's funny. Kind of a little banter. And what really makes me laugh is going to the comments and seeing people respond that don't know it's funny or don't know I'm joking and don't know mine and Nick's relationship. And they're over here like, you're just mad because Nick gets more viewers than you. He's better than you. You'll never yeah, be as good as him. Yeah, that's always crazy. <laughs> the irony just, just goes over their man. head. Yeah, straight yeah, up. And I just laugh and I'll show Nick and Nick will laugh and we just like continue to laugh together. So yeah, people call me a professional shit stir on Twitter. Um, unintentionally most of the time, because again, most of the time I really do just post stuff that I think is funny or think that's supposed to be between like me and the small group of people and it blows up and I maybe it's just because I don't realize what my Twitter reach is like but for instance I got an entire website for LOR taken down within like three hours on accident because I was just telling my viewers or my followers I'm like hey you know runeterra.ar is a really cool website that shows you match history it can help you out on ladder I was like it's really cool and then within three hours there was four different threads like 300 plus comments on it riot themselves tweeted about it and took the website down that's crazy <laughs> that i didn't like, even know that Oops. i missed the website yeah. i definitely was a oh, fan yeah. of using it and uh yeah. it was sad when it got taken down yeah they, they put it back up i think the next day or something but they had to change somehow some of the api worked or the visibility on it or something like that but yeah that was kind of the first time people were like damn mo you really do be stirring shit up on twitter and I was like, I didn't do anything. Like, I was just trying to help my friend, like, promote his website. It's, it's pretty good. Like, they yeah. didn't even ask me to. It wasn't a sponsorship. I was just saying, hey, guys, I use this website. It's cool. I, I like your jokester persona. I feel like it's needed because you're never making fun of, like, an individual player, you know, in, in like, mm -hmm. an aggressive way. It's always poking fun at friends or, like, the meta or, you know, like, Riot as a whole or whatever. And I feel like we have a tendency in card games online to, like, you know, we're well, we all think we're so smart and we take them too seriously. So it's kind of like a good just like break to have that and like have that reflection and kind of look in the yeah. mirror and laugh at ourselves, I feel like. So thinking yeah. about that and since I have you here, I got to know, what mm -hmm. was your first thought when you uh, did the copy pasta of uh, I'm forgetting. Oh, well, yeah, when he when he responded to you literally mm -hmm. quote tweeting the exact same thing, like what? What was the initial thought when, when that happened? When he responded to my quote tweet of Skarzig? Or yeah, the... Skarzig, Skarzig, that okay. one. So at first, I legitimately thought he didn't understand, which he didn't. And I was like, oh, okay, let me explain to you what this is. Because I don't know him. I don't know how old he is. I don't know how much he uses Twitter, all that stuff. Turns out the dude is like literally blind, and I'm not making fun of him, but he's literally blind, so there's a chance he legitimately didn't see it was like a quote tweet. He thought it was, he maybe thought it was like me saying these, like it was my idea. Yeah. Um, but all it was originally was supposed to be me like bantering with Skarzig, like kind of making fun of his take, not in a malicious way, like, hell, look at this idiot and his dumb take. It was kind of just like, I like Skarzig, but this take is funny to me. So I quote tweeted it. Um, so I explained to him what a copy pasta was. And I was like, yeah, I was just like copying my friend's take. It was like, you know, not serious. It's just a joke. I was like, I'm just teasing him. And then the thing that got me was after explaining to him what it was and that it was a joke and not serious and it wasn't even my take was when he doubled down and essentially told me I was a bad player and needed to get good. 
And yeah, I was that was, like, that was crazy. I, I was like, what is happening? I was like, it did, it did Riot just tell me that I'm a bad player and I need to get good? I think in your anime like, arc, that's the moment where you buckle down and start training 24-7 to win and come yeah. back on the redemption arc. Yeah. I yeah, feel that like that's was, the moment. That's probably yeah. where it was. Yeah, it's like, that's the moment where it's like set in stone. It's like, all right, I guess he's winning seasonals. Just like I hope you don't change your persona on Twitter, I really hope Dova Geddes doesn't change his persona on Reddit and Twitter because we need we need both forces balancing each other out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, have you been have you been looking at like the new cards and stuff? We're getting our last region. It's a really exciting time for Runeterra, even outside of you know we've got worlds coming up and everything like that. But do you mm-hmm. from what you've seen of the new cards in Bandle City? Do you feel like aggro, and you can you can answer this too, do you guys feel like aggro has, is going to become more powerful in the new patch um, as like compared to maybe the control and healing tools that are there? How do you think it changes like the aggro landscape moving forward? You can, you can um, open on this if you want. Okay, yeah, I think aggro is definitely getting better. It's getting more tools, and that's nice. At the same time, both are getting better. I know, like, for instance, GoHard, a notorious hard anti-aggro deck, is getting a lot of new tools so a lot of people are revamping that and trying to build new decks with that so it's gonna see basically did the control anti-aggro decks get more tools or better tools to make their decks better or did the aggro decks get more tools and better tools because for instance i think elusive's like nuts like elusive's right now or what people are calling tier one and super nuts i used it in my lineup to win uh seasonals lobster used it in his lineup to get second in the eu seasonals and seeing all these elusive decks pop up uh, the potential to actually like legitimately run three tier one good elusive decks in a tournament lineup looks really good to me and looks really crazy and a huge step for aggro to where you can actually run three tier one decks instead of running like one tier one deck and then two tier two slash three decks that are just kind of meta calls like because right now i think there's only actually one tier one aggro deck and the rest are basically tier two or worse they're just the best aggro decks we have so you if you want to play triple aggro you have to play these tier two decks it's really just going to come down to are these elusive aggro decks that we're getting or these new tools for like pnz aggro and discard aggro going to balance out the great tools that like control gets like the senna giving you fast speed drains and go hard and stuff like that yeah absolutely and to give my take on that, I pretty much agree. I would say, personally, my perspective on it, I think the tools that aggro is getting is a little stronger than what I've seen uh, from Control so far. Um, but you did capitalize on Go Hard. I think that deck, just that singular deck itself, is like if that really did get enough tools to be kind of back to where its former glory is, you know, there might be some problems for sure, especially the implications of Senna with like the ability to fast speed your your pack your bags is a little yeah for two mana yeah 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 for two mana that's what i meant the the two mana mm-hmm. pack your bags interaction is unnerfing it they're literally, unnerfing yeah. it literally they found a way they found a way for sure um mm-hmm. but i think aggro is what got the stronger package right now and it's going to be interesting mm-hmm. too to see the noxus more mid-range i think that's just a really fun archetype like i'm with I'm hyped for that, yeah. For Scion, yeah, like, yeah. seems sick. It's a little concerning that they they printed a <laughs> a card that slaps them in the face. Like with it, they kind of did that with um, Targon. I feel like with Hush, with uh, I forget which card it was, but one of the cards that got released then is like, oh, here's this card, and here's a counter for it. It starts like, with the M, right? 
The, Mini, are you talking the, about mini morph? Yeah, mini morph. Yeah, mini morph. Yeah, yeah, yeah mini morph. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The thing with mini morph is I don't really see any decks playing it at the moment because every Bandowood deck I see is essentially just elusive aggro, and I'm not playing a six mana control card in my elusive aggro deck. The only deck I've seen so far that plays Bandowood that isn't an aggro deck is essentially just Cinna Viger. Yeah. So that's one deck, and in a tournament scene, you're probably banning the Cinna Viger <laughs> Go Hard deck, anyways. So. Um, it shouldn't really be a problem, but I am really excited for discard midrange. I agree. I told my chat and I told Swim's chat today when I was doing the card reveals that you get two discard packages. You can't play both in a tournament because you can only play uh, PNZ Noxus one time, right? You can't have duplicate regent decks, but it's really cool to see that if the meta isn't go hard and uh, hard control, you can just play new discard aggro and it's just strictly better than old discard aggro. But if the meta is different and it does turn into this like go hard um, or more control style base, the decks that did beat go hard back in the day were fearsome and overwhelmed. This new Noxus discard mid-range decks, every unit has fearsome or overwhelmed. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, even if they do make go hard good, I still get to play PNZ Noxus discard. It's just a mid-range deck like what Faint was saying. And I am super excited for that deck along with you, man. Absolutely. Damn, I'll be on the Vigar getting bodied by you guys on ladder. Just, <laughs> just trying to, like, get my slow speed eight damage to the Nexus. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, going to yeah. feel so good. I think um, I'm still... I know a lot of people after day one of seeing Vigar were like, oh, he's really bad, and then they kind of, like, changed their tune a little bit after seeing Senna. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think he's still kind of weak, personally. Like, I think the best way to run Senna isn't going to be with Viger, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But he's he's really fun. I wish... Uh, I'm looking forward. I see him getting patched next patch, like buffed. So I'm I'm looking forward to that because he's a, he's a cool card. And with that being said, we still have, like, a couple more champions to go. That's right. And, like, I know Bandle for sure is going to get some... I think they're going to get some cute spells because, like, if you look through... Because, you know, I'm... I'm shopping through for my elusive uh, uh, buffs and stuff like that. And outside of mm -hmm. the set to plus three, plus three, and the make elusive add plus one, plus one, that's like the only stat buff card they have like at all. So mm -hmm. I see them releasing something like with like some type of stat buff or something like that. And yeah, I hope I'm ready be for nice. it. Yeah, that that's all the because I'm building all my decks right now, and I'm like, man, if they just had like one card, even mm -hmm. just one that kind of did this, like these decks get crazy for sure. Yeah. And whether it's coming this patch or whatever, you know, I don't think you can make a whole region without any any buffs. No, right? Any like signature two mana spell? They, they'll just give right. them twin twin. What is it? Dwin Disciplines? I, they'll make a new card. Yeah, just mess with the <laughs> name, for sure. Uh, Mo, I guess, do, do you have any advice, Mo, for uh, for aggro diehards that you may have given them the flame of hopium going forward in tournaments? Any any words of wisdom from the, from the minted seasonal aggro champion? Yeah, capitalize on as much damage as you can, especially against decks that don't heal. Uh, I offer, I, I do coaching, and a lot of the times, the number one thing I see from players playing aggro is they'll just develop for some reason, or they won't take guaranteed damage against decks that don't heal to try and boost their damage by 
almost insignificant numbers. Um, and they don't take into account what their opponent can do. Like, for instance, if you have four damage open attack and you know they can't stop that, four damage sounds like a little number, but that's actually 20% of their life total. So if you can hit them for that four damage, that's really nice because they can't get it back. That's essentially a decimate. And you know, the later the game goes, the harder it is going to be to hit your unit with or hit your opponent with units because these mid-range decks are going to start playing units and then they're going to start playing spells. They're going to start clearing your board until they eventually kill you with their mid-range units and stuff like that. So try and look for ways to get guaranteed damage across so you can finally finish your opponent off with those burn spells. Because I believe right now every single aggro deck except for exactly elusives has a burn so you just have to get your opponent to whatever number of burn you have in your hand and that's it your entire job is done if you can just get them to that number assuming they don't have any healing yeah absolutely that's some great advice that's something yeah for sure like into uh ezreal draven or something like that i'm always mm -hmm. like trying to teach people that for sure and like I might go a little extreme with it, but let's say I'm playing some aggro, like I'll keep decimates and stuff in the open. A lot of people are like, oh, this mm -hmm. is expensive. I'm like, this is a card. This is four. They can't stop it. This is, yeah, like you said, 20% yeah. of their life. I'm I'm keeping this card. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially yeah. in decks yeah, like Pirate Burn, where it's like, you don't, you have so much burn late game. You just need to secure that early chip damage, like you're saying. Whereas like maybe with Discarder, I mean, you have Jinx Rocket even, right? So I guess right. it's just, yeah. yeah, elusives and stuff like that. But yeah, you got to put a high, a high priority on that early chip damage to like, just bring your win con that much closer every turn. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I always tell people only count on your units doing damage for the first three, maybe four turns, depending on your attack token. And then after that, just try to see how much burn you can do. So if you can deal 8 to 10 damage in the first 3 to 4 turns, then you're probably okay. It varies a little bit deck to deck based on how much burn you play. But for the most part, I tell people, just get your guaranteed 8 to 10 damage in and then just burn them out for the rest of it with unstoppable damage. Absolutely. Head on over to Emotional on Twitch if you want some burn help or discard help. Head on over to Faint HD at Twitch. If you want some elusive yeah. help, and head on over to Squeeby21 if you want to cry about Targon being <laughs> trash. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man. I think, do you have anything? I mean, I'm, pr I'm pretty... I think, yeah, we covered a lot of the bases here. We the, did. the last thing I'll say, too, is just that, you know, I think elusive, not elusives, well, elusives, too, but aggro did get a lot of strong tools, but also for mm -hmm. just people in general. Generally, day one metas, aggro's hot. So if you guys are trying yeah. to... Trying to climb, have a good time with it. Hey, even if there is counters, I don't think they come to fruition until like day two, day three. So if you guys want right. to join on the fun train, you can mm -hmm. spam some spam some aggro with me and the boys. Uh and I want to put out there uh that I have a tournament coming up next weekend, uh the August twenty eighth, twenty ninth. Um it's a five hundred dollar free tournament open to everyone on America's shard. And uh, it's going to be like four days after Bandle City releases. So there's going to be no meta to speak of. It's the Wild West. Anything will go. And I will be joined on the caster table by my boy Faint and by Emotional himself, the new minted seasonal champ. So come on by. Uh, the link is going to be in the description to, uh, to register for that for free. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, thanks to both you guys for being down to cast. It's going to be fun. Of course, man. Happy to. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I've only done that one cast before on your stream, and I loved it, and I'm ready to do it again.
Yeah, I just feel like we have a unique perspective as players, like when we're casting games and we can really like put ourselves in the shoes of the players and like kind of go through mm-hmm. the motions with them, which is cool. But Mo, big shout out for coming through, dude. It was awesome to kind of get your insights on your amazing run. Uh, even these past two seasonals have just been incredible. So thank you so much for coming through, dude. Yeah, I mean, thanks for the invite. I like doing interviews and podcasts and all that type of stuff. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. And congrats again, bro. It was a legendary run. I I doubt another seasonal is going to top that performance, man. That was one for the books for sure. Thanks. I appreciate it. This is uh, Squeeby and Faint from Loaded Dice Episode 4 signing off. We will see you guys in Bandle City. That was a, that was a nice little touch right there. Hey, I like that, let's man. go. <laughs> <laughs>